Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. For many years now, Den of Geek has kind of shined a light on geek and popular culture entertainment. I spoke to one of the people involved, very involved as a matter of fact, in Chris Longo, and my conversation with him in just a moment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And today we shine our spotlight on Den of Geek, a great website. I had a chance to speak to Deputy Editor Chris Longo, and here is our full conversation. So you're the Deputy uh, Editor at Den of Geek, so um, just kind of tell us, uh, how did that happen for you? Oh, it's been a long journey to this point. Um, so Den of Geek, just for a little background for those of you who don't know, denofgeek.com, it started in the UK around 2008, so it's been around for a really long time, and it uh, kind of started as a film blog over there and just grew in popularity until uh, they moved it over here. It's, it's through Dennis Publishing, and they uh, uh, started a, basically a U.S. site in 2012, and then it just kind of, the traffic exploded um, in the last four or five years or so. So it's been a cool journey for me. Uh, I was one of the first people they hired to write uh, for the U.S. site when that came into existence. Uh, so I kind of worked my way up from freelancer to intern to TV editor to now deputy editor, and I'm in charge of uh, the print product as well. We're also putting out a, a twice-yearly print magazine for New York and San Diego Comic-Con, which we're all very proud of, and it's kind of part of the expanding growth of Den of Geek, which uh, it's been really exciting for me to see since I was kind of doing it from my... Uh, uh, you know, writing stories from my dorm room as a college student. <laughs> so it's pretty cool that it turned into a full-time job. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's uh, what a lot, of, a lot of us are searching for, isn't it? Really, to do something like this that we love full-time, you know. So, you know, I've been lucky to do that, uh, but uh, not everybody can, obviously, but I'm glad you're doing it. It's awesome. You know, the, the thing that I think that strikes me about the site is, uh, like a lot of entertainment sites, the, the fans are, are kind of ignored a little bit. They kind of just give you the news. But I, what I love about Den of Geek is that it really is very fan-friendly and really fan-centric. And I think that's one of your strengths. Yeah, I think, I think that's a thing that the UK site uh, has done really, really well. And, it, and it's kind of uh, it's, – it's been a slower uh, pro- progression towards that for us. But um, they've fostered a great culture over there where the commenters are very engaged – um, they're film buffs. They're you know they're geeks. They know they know every single thing about any, uh, about any comic, movie, TV. So um, it's been really fun, uh, at least for our staff, to kind of interact with these people. Um, and we and we've gotten close to our readers. We've done a lot over the last year. We've had a lot of um, events. We do events at Videology in Brooklyn, uh, where we had we had a lot of readers uh, come out, and we filmed. Uh, you know, some old movies uh, like RoboCop and some kind of fun stuff like that, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. So uh, doing those kind of things and bringing out the readers and kind of engaging with them has been a big part of our strategy, and I think it's we're going to see it even more going forward. So I think there's going to be some really cool stuff 
uh, coming in 2017. That's really, really cool. You know, there's a, you know, it's Valentine's Day as we tape this. And the, uh, the cool thing is there's an article you have the 10 most awkwardly romantic moments on Star Trek, uh, the next generation. And I, I just, I just want to say right off the bat, I thought, I, I, I mean, she was Gene Roddenberry's wife. Uh, you know, and I, I can see every, they had to do something with Luxana Troy. And I don't know why they had her romantically chasing Jean-Luc Picard, but that was not one of my favorites. And I, I'm sure at least one of their moments together has got to be on your awkward list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a big one. I think, I think it's like one of the top ones on there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a list like this is absolutely great in Star Trek. The next generation is obviously a fan favorite for everybody. So I, I think it's fun when we get to kind of, um, you know, you do your standard stuff with, you know, the movies and entertainment news. But uh, when we go into lists like this and a special day like Valentine's Day, uh, I think that's where you get some really, really fun content out of um, a thing like Star Trek, which obviously it's, you know, very sci-fi heavy. But like there is a lot of fun, awkward, kind of romantic, funny moments out of, out of that series, which um, it's kind of perfect for a thing like this. Very cool. No, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I, yeah, I totally dug it. I thought that was a, that was a fun way to kind of celebrate the day and, yeah. <laughs> and to kind of uh, celebrate and kind of cringe at some of the moments too. <laughs> I remembered. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, some of it actually looks a little dated these days. Uh, you know, compared to, I mean, they did this in the nineteen, uh, you know, late nineteen eighties is when the show started. So I mean, so a lot of time has passed since then. I think they just celebrated thirty years. Uh, recently, so, which is amazing, and all that. Uh, yeah, I want to get your opinion on a few things because I think uh, there's some interesting things going on in in sci-fi, in particular on television, uh, and it certainly affects geek culture. Uh, the whole artificial intelligence things. We have we had a series that's returned last night, Humans on AMC, which I I really like, and of course Westworld. Uh, I, I've been saying now for a while that I think that is the next big issue that's going to face us. Uh, artificial intelligence and how we deal with it, I think, is going to impact our lives. Uh, it already has, uh, although, I mean, a lot of us don't think about it that way. But when we play our Xbox, uh, it kind of memorizes our tendency, and that's a rudimentary AI. And also on our phones and our now, uh, you know, things like Echo and things and devices like that, that has a rudimentary AI already. So what uh, what do you feel about it? And uh, and what about those two cautionary tales on Westworld and, and humans? It's funny because I was trying to come up with some of the stuff you might be asking me. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I figured this one might pop up uh, actually over the weekend. I finished Westworld. So this is good timing. Uh and I, and I kind of went down the rabbit hole of uh, Westworld, went into Blade Runner, uh, rewatched that, uh, got into a little bit of, um, of Phil K. Dick's, obviously, source material for that. I was reading some of that again. And then uh, Humans kind of popped up because it, it obviously aired in the U.K., so we have a lot of reviews on Humans on our site already up. Um, but the premiere was last night uh, as we're doing this. So uh, that's one I really want to get into, and I'm kind of fascinated by it. Uh, I think for a really long time, I was turned off by artificial intelligence stories, uh, especially as a kid. I think they scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Um, movies like iRobot, uh, 
I, I don't know. It just like kind of didn't sit well with me that this is kind of the projection we're going on. And uh, I think more and more as you're, you know, you're a person on the internet reading some of these stories and seeing videos kind of pop up on your Facebook feed about all the advancements in AI technology and stuff like that. It, uh, it's kind of scary to see where, where it's kind of going. And I, I don't think something like Westworld or, or even probably humans is probably a better example to see, even though I haven't seen the show, but just based off what I know of it, um, it, it seems like we're, we're, we're on that path. And I think in the next couple of years, it's going to be really important to see how we stay responsible with AI and what we do with it. Because I think at least in terms of Westworld, uh, I don't think we're that far off where you could see certain industries kind of heading towards like sex robots and things like that. So, um, it's going to be important in the future to, um, make sure we're responsible with how we're utilizing AI. Um, even something funny I saw yesterday was Elon Musk talking about, uh, how humans kind of need to integrate with machine to catch this, to <laughs> kind of keep up. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you think about that, but you know it, it's uh, it's I think a losing battle. I don't think we can keep up with their speed and everything. Uh, you know what's what's interesting uh, is how Star Trek and Star Wars have kind of portrayed uh, artificial intelligence and AI. In Star Wars, I mean their comic relief. Uh, certainly, the R two units are they supplement human behavior, and uh, and in one case, R uh, two even serve drinks at, at, on the on Jabba's barge. But they never cross that line where they would you know could take over. Uh, so that's interesting. Star Trek went a little further, like in the original series, the Ultimate Computer, and even Return of the Archons had a computer that uh, that. In Archons, they ran a society, and also in Ultimate Computer was the next step in evolution. But like in Data, there he's kind of, uh, he just, all he really wants to be is human. He has like no desire for power or anything. Uh, but we also saw with Lore that there's a flip side to AIs a little bit too. So I found that interesting how both those franchises looked at it and uh, and how they're projecting as to what they're going to be as to where we are now. Yeah, that's an interesting point about Star Wars because, like, obviously it's in the galaxy long, long time ago. So, uh, <laughs> but, the, the you know, the AI of those robots isn't, you know, as, as advanced as some of these other shows like to portray. But there's all, there, there is a lot of advanced technology going on in Star Wars, but for some reason the robots are kind of uh, kept to a certain level of artificial intelligence, um, almost like, what we would imagine like robots would be in 10 years, like back from the eighties. So that, that's an interesting point about um, where Star Trek went. Well, I mean, where Star Wars went with that. Um, but I don't know, maybe we'll see uh, as Star Wars, as that franchise goes on into infinity, yeah. the AI will advance. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you for listening to sci-fi talk, but stick around. I have more. Let's get back to sci-fi talk. I'm Tony Tolado. Uh, another thing too is I, I, I my wife and I uh, took a trip recently, and Facebook had a display at the airport, and they said, "Hey, you, we, you want to try? You know, they had just bought Oculus Rift, and they said, do you want to try it?" And uh, we sat down and we tried it, and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, VR, I think, 
it, I mean, at San Diego Comic-Con, not so much New York, but the, it was a deep presence at San Diego Comic-Con, a lot of VR stuff, a lot of the television and movies were doing things related to VR. I think it's going to impact uh, gaming immensely, as well as uh, even more so uh, immerse, kind of immerse us in our own little world, literally. So um, I, it's a good and, and bad thing at the same time, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that's going to do since we're just really starting the year and how it's going to impact us all? Yeah, I, I totally agree with your assessment of, of at least for San Diego Comic-Con and, and New York Comic-Con to a lesser extent. Uh, VR was huge and you saw a lot of TV um, a lot of TV networks using VR to market some of their shows. Mr. Robot uh, was one out in San Diego. So we're, we're going to see a lot more of that as uh, the tech. The, the problem with VR was technology. Uh, it just didn't catch up. It, 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 a lot, it was making a lot of people sick, first of all, but I think the headsets were too costly. Uh, the technology wasn't really there, but we're at a point with smartphones now where um, the VR technology is very strong. You have two really great headsets on the market with Oculus, and uh, I think the HTC uh, is another one that's really big. Uh, it's funny enough, I wrote probably my favorite story I wrote uh, last year was uh, based off this activation called Mars. Uh, it was uh, the show on Nat Geo. They had a big activation in New York City where they brought in these two teams to create. Uh, one of them was called Major Mega. The other one was Tate. Uh, Tate does uh, kind of concert rigs. So you'll see it's kind of the stage work for like major concerts like at Madison Square Garden. And then this other company, Major Mega, who does VR stuff, they came together and they made the first... Uh, um, basically like a VR ride. So it was uh, it was a kind of this rig where you sat in it and you, you physically felt like you were flying into Mars and landing on Mars. Um, so that was the first time I really, and I try, I've tried VR num- numerous times, that was the first time I really felt like um, it's taken a huge step forward and something like that. And I, and I kind of got to know the, uh, the guys behind Major Mega and they're, they're working on a really cool project uh, that's going to be sort of the first VR amusement park, and we and we've seen we've seen like Six Flags. I think this summer is introducing one of the first uh, roller coasters that's also using VR. Uh, it's a little bit different from what those guys are doing, but I think within within an amusement park that specifically has VR, uh, you're going to be able to do some things that in in a confined space you can't do in a big amusement park, and it's it's going to be revolutionary. And I think we're going to see it more and more. So. Uh, I think to answer your question, you know, this is this is the biggest time for VR. We're we're entering a VR golden age, and I think technology is just going to get better and better. Where we're going to see some incredible applications of it, and not just through like first-person shooters or stuff like that. We're going to see, you know, it's going to it's it's going to be mind blowing. As far as uh, get some opinion on a few more things, um, what what do you think was the best movie of 2016? Now that that's over and we've kind of moved on into a new year geeks and people like us would like oh boy uh, my favorite i don't know what i would say the best movie of the year was you probably have to ask our, our film our great film critics about that um but i think one of my favorites just off the top of my head was 10 cloverfield lane um because uh it does have a lot of genre appeal at least i don't want to spoil the ending if, if your listeners haven't seen it but it has a lot of genre appeal but it's also this insane mystery and suspenseful thriller and it's uh just directed wonderfully um 
that that was my definitely my favorite movie of the year. Obviously, the acting was great with John Goodman. Um, yeah, that 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 one kind of blew me away, and I I, th- I re- just rewatched it recently, and um, I'm just hoping that the Cloverfield franchise you know, keeps expanding and they keep doing some really fun stuff with some interesting directors. Yeah. Oh, that Mr. Abrams boy, he keeps cranking him out, doesn't? He? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I heard a lot of good things about it. And that's on my list to see. Uh, and I, that's one of the things I've liked the last few years, really going back to Interstellar. We've had like a good, a really good serious science fiction film at the end of the year. Uh, each the last three years, we had Interstellar. We had The Martian last year and Arrival this in 2016. So, uh, I mean, I really buoyed by that. And uh, so I, I haven't seen Arrival, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. So from what I've heard, I would pick that one as the best movie of, uh, of 2016. So Yeah, and I think, like, I think it says a lot about uh, genre films that Arrival is going to get uh, some love at the Oscar year. So, um, so that, I mean, that's, that's really exciting to see. So hopefully uh, moving forward, uh, e- even something like Deadpool, I think, uh, was a really, really fun film. Uh, I don't quite know if it was Oscar-worthy, but um, I, I do think genre films should at least start to be included in the conversation for um, major awards because you know it, it, is, it is an art form, just like you know some of these other big picture films. So uh, give them more recognition. More for Deadpool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, D- Deadpool was a blast. It was fun to watch that. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to talk to gentlemen who voiced uh, Colossus, and that was fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, talking about that and how he did that and uh, how he enjoyed doing that. Uh, and uh, he's, he had a blast doing it. But, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for number two. I, I think it's going to be awesome. So on, on TV uh, right now, what is it that – Holds your interest. I'm a, I'm a big comedy guy, so I, I think this is the best time we've ever had for comedy on television. I, I don't even think it's close. I think by a long shot, um, we're just seeing just right down the line. Every single cable network is uh, bringing their A game for comedy and one upping each other. And you have networks like FX that you know you have a long running show like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and then you supplement that with uh, Baskets with Zach Galifianakis, which is fantastic. And then you, you know, you top that with Man Seeking Woman, uh, which brings some kind of genre elements and uh, some fun gags, uh, you know, whether it's like outer space stuff or Indiana Jones stuff. Uh, but they bring it to a very uh, surreal love story, which is um, something we haven't really seen on television. So that's sort of subverting, um, you know, the sitcom genre in a way we ha- that's just flat out brilliant. And then, uh, you know, there's some other shows on that network, like You're the Worst, which is another really fun sitcom. So uh, I think right now we're in we're in a peak time for a lot of things beyond genre stuff. But uh, the cool part of, about that is, you know, there's room for comedy to venture in there as well. And you see a show like on TBS, like um, People of Earth, which is, uh, which is a really funny one with Wyatt Cenac. Um, and that can kind of get into some really fun territory with, aliens and uh you know kind of bringing them into the fold uh, some of the main core cast uh so I, I think things like that are really holding my attention just to kind of see where comedy could go and if it kind of venture out into genre territory then i'm all for that yeah i mean big bang certainly is uh 
is the one that most of us, uh, you know, uh, that are genre-related love. I mean, that's such a great show. And, uh, I mean, they're, now they're doing a, supposedly a Sheldon spinoff. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, that's that's in the works, so we'll see. Um, I, I've been watching um, – Sci-Fi has a good one-two punch right now, The Magicians and The Expanse, genre-wise. It really – The Expanse, I think, is one of the best shows on television, period, right now. And I'm really totally enjoying the writing and the acting on that. It's really, really cool. And it just came back, and I, I w- refused to throw it under the bus, even though people were doing it right and left. The Walking Dead is still a great written show and well acted. And uh, the return episode was exactly what we needed to see. So I totally dug it. And uh, I want to see more. I want to see what happens this season. And Jeffrey Dean. If this guy doesn't win an Emmy, uh, you know he—I mean, he's amazing. How much? Yeah, we had we had the pleasure of having uh, a Jeffrey as the, the cover story for our uh, our New York magazine uh, this year, and he the guy's a pleasure. Uh, and we interviewed him a couple times. Uh, luckily, I got to be in the room for uh, his feature film. The name of it escapes me, but um, just a, just a pleasure and a, th- a really thoughtful man to to interview, which is fantastic. And uh, obviously, Negan has made it made for better or worse made an impression on everyone <laughs> yes he definitely has but we'll see we'll see where they go with that uh this season or this half season i guess so what uh what's kind of uh you know coming ahead on on den of geek so uh i mean a lot of changes uh we've had um big influx and in staff uh we're investing on video so there's gonna be some really cool video content yeah some great stuff coming in the next few months which we're really excited about we're going to start rolling that out on facebook uh about a month from now so you're going to see daily video content um the way we're kind of looking at that is sort sort of like how a tv network works where you're, you're going to be, know what to expect every day of the week so you're going to get sort of like these little franchises every single day whether it's uh when we do these big comic book lists whether it's like um you know some of your favorite easter eggs from comic book movies or or you know, even something like Star Wars, uh, or we're doing deep dives into these little mini documentaries that are, uh, you know, some forgotten films or, or movies that uh, were scripted but never ended up getting made. So there's going to be some really, really cool stuff like that in the next month. So we're excited, and uh, we can't wait for everyone to see it. That's going to be a blast. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. Well, that's great. It sounds like, you know, you guys are expanding what you're doing and that's always nice when you're growing and, uh, and, you know, and, and connecting with people. So yeah, I think that's going to be awesome. People love that kind of content. So I think it's going to be great. Well, Chris, I really want to thank you for being on this podcast with me. Great to talk to you. And I know you're a busy guy and I really appreciate your time and it's been a blast. Certainly hope to have you back on again. Uh, especially as some of those things roll out and to see how that's going. Yeah, Tony, thanks again. Uh, We'd love to be back on the podcast and uh, always great talking sci-fi with you. Yeah, just one thing, actually, if I can pull a Columbo here, uh, Planet Wongo, how did you come across that? Oh, cool. So so Dave Ogren is the uncle of one of my friends and he was was actually at Comic-Con and contacted me. So we met up and walked around Comic-Con last year a little bit, and he was kind of filling me in on uh, his plans for Planet Wongo. He had uh, just ran the play out in Brooklyn. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see it at the, at the time we met, but 
um, he kind of filled me in on the details, and uh, I thought it was a really cool project uh, with some of the experience I had with uh, going to all these Comic Cons. Figured I could help him market it to um, to that crowd. So me and Dave, uh, I mean, we've been working with each other for since uh, New York Comic Con 2015, really, um, and we've been bringing it around to all these cons and just seeing kind of the fan reaction and building up a little following for it, which has been uh, great to see um, because, you know, you're able to, and you saw the play, but you're able to bring uh, these ladies who are, you know, they're engaging, they're they're so entertaining and they're so witty and on the spot, you know, they could, uh, they're great at improv, so they could go around these conventions and um, kind of let loose and play around with all these people that are there and everyone's dressed up. So that was really cool to see and it kind of rolled into them bringing the playback in Parkside Lounge in New York City. Uh, it's been a blast to, to go through that whole process with them, and uh, I had never been a part of the theater process before, so kind of doing it and adding my uh, sci-fi and pop culture takes to it to kind of build an audience and, and bring people in has been, it's been a huge pleasure for me, and uh, you know, I, ho- I just hope it keeps growing and you know more people get to see it because it is it is a really fun time the theater. Oh, absolutely! I had a blast doing it. Thanks so much again, Chris, and uh, we'll talk again. And it's denofgeek.com. What a great site! Everybody should visit and definitely save it as one of your favorites. Thanks, Tony. All right, buddy. You take care. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Don't forget to visit denofgeek.com. Thanks for listening to Sci-Fi Talk. I'm Tony Tolato, and we will see you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.